Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about the differences between Catholic religious orders. Yeah, we're going to look at the religious orders like the Jesuits and the Dominicans and the Benedictines and Franciscans and show the differences in what they believe, how they pray, what they wear, and more. Now, I'm a diocesan priest, which means I'm not a religious priest. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about that as well. But as a diocesan priest, I do have a religious affinity that I can't wait to share with you. exciting conversation we're going to have. I didn't, had no idea you had an affinity for a religious order. Yeah, I and think I, just I think I could guess it. What? Which one? Why don't we leave, why don't we leave that for an inquisition? Okay. All right. Okay. I think that's a good inquisition. An inquisition on you? Uh, <laughs> I, think we'll, I think we will do a, a Mexican standoff inquisition yeah. where we're just like, you know, like this. Well, because I was discerning one too as well. So, yeah. I, which yeah. I didn't know about and I can't yeah. wait to hear about. And I didn't, I didn't discern the particular religious order that I have an affinity for. Until I was deeply in the diocesan process. Same. Really? Yeah. So I think that's a Not really... Not diocesan, getting married. That's yeah. really important to explain. Yeah. And I think this is the easiest way to start this. Now, now, you are a diocesan priest, and then there is religious orders, and some religious... Members of religious orders are priests. Some some are not. Mm -hmm. Can you briefly explain what that difference is? Yeah. So a diocesan, uh, you know, priest, and I get asked this all the time. You know, what order do you belong to? Well, I'm I'm a diocesan priest. So that is the order that goes all the way back to Jesus Christ and setting up the apostolic church, and then the successors of the apostles are the ones that have governance over particular regions, we are the the work, you know, the work staff, you know, the, the guys in the trenches, the 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 soldiers in the trenches uh, that do that work, you know, of, of parish priests being a regular parish priest. Now, they're from the diocesan priesthood that was established by Jesus Christ through the succession of the apostles. There are men and women throughout history who live remarkable holiness and their charismatic gifts, their their chrismation and the power of the Holy Spirit guided them with very specific gifts to rebuild the church in very unique ways throughout the history of the church. So you have the beginnings of religious orders cropping up in the early fourth century yeah. all the way through to present day. There are mm -hmm. religious communities that are that are being inspired in the hearts of men and women. And, and these communities are helping the process of rebuilding the church. So it goes hand in hand between diocesan priesthood, parish priests, as well as the religious priests and sisters that really do this beautiful work. That's a really good uh, explanation. Mm -hmm. Thank so you. your obedience and is to the bishop, yes. right? Whereas a religious order, their obedience and their vow would be to their regular, yep. right? Yep. Their Which superior their regular. superior yep. regular. So some of the famous religious, Catholic religious orders. And there's a distinction between orders and congregations and institutes. Prelatures. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds, right? Mm -hmm. But orders, in a general sense, and we'll explain the distinction later, but, you know, you have the Jesuits, you have the Franciscans, you have the Benedictines, the Augustinians, the Dominicans, the Mercedarians, right? Then you have the Norbertines. The Norbertines and the Congregation of the Holy Cross and the Sisters of Notre Dame and, you know... 
Carthusians. Carthusians and the Trappists. And, <laughs> yep, the Trappists. You have right? to recommend the, oh, the yeah. beer. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the Carmelites. And there, there, there's so many of them, right? Hundreds. Hundreds. Now, what about the coffee beans? I mean, some of the brothers <laughs> What do about the, the Mystic beans? Monk coffee beans? <laughs> I drink that every morning. That's good stuff. So... You know, there's all these different ones, and they all have founders. And we'll try to get into a few of the big ones and explain the differences. But I think, why do we have religious orders in the church? What what led to the reason that you have particular groups of people who act and dress and worship in a particular way that's as a community? You know, and mm-hmm. I think you brought it up in like the fourth century. Like the first religious orders are the Augustinians and the Benedictines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they really came of, they came around from having a common either rule or way of prayer or a regiment of prayer where they lived communally and then they started developing a particular lifestyle. Now, these lifestyles in all of these religious orders are what's generally known as charisms, right? And a charism is essentially the character and the style of what they do, but there's a lot deeper meaning, you know? It's almost like nope. what they do outside of prayer, right? Because they're pray- praying, they're worshiping, and then it's... And that could also be a- attached to what inspires other people to follow them as well as yeah, like what go. they're For doing sure. in, in prayer and how yeah. God has revealed himself. So I like that. Yeah. I, I can't help it. Li- as I'm listening to Shield, I'm thinking of Dunk, one of your best friends, yeah. right? And relating it to football or, or athletics... You know, you have you know no. you have a brother who what what position did Dunk play? Uh, he was uh, he was a soccer player. Was he a soccer? <laughs> I, I I snuck him into the FSU football. Oh, you said that. Got you. Got you. As a, as a linebacker, but yeah, so he doesn't but, play football. But you know, like clearly, because of your athletic prowess and because of your leadership skills and your charismatic nature. I mean, he would go into battle for you. Like, oh, yeah. it's just very, very evident. The guy just absolutely loves you, and you've had a huge influence on his on his journey and his life, and and uh, he absolutely loves you. So y- you see, like, charismatic people, and we all have had them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember a senior that I followed, you know, uh, as a freshman sure. that, that I really looked up to and I really absorbed. It's it's the same sense, but in this, in this form, it's like you have people saying, I am committed to following your rule of life. Like, how do you yeah. live your life? How do you pray? St. Benedict, like, how do you pray? Well, you're going to pray all the Psalms mm-hmm. each day. You're going to live severe austerity. You're going to live in silence with me in the mountains. Yeah. And and I'm going to teach you what God has taught me in the power right. of the Spirit. Yeah. And in that, we are going to rebuild a sense of communion and fellowship. And that's precisely where God is really exercising the religious communities in the world by the power of the Spirit to give gifts for that building up of the process. I think what's helpful is the catechism of the Catholic Church in this respect, so that she can fulfill her mission, right? This is the church's mission, universal church. We already have an idea of diocesan priesthood. This is how religious uh, communities fit in with the diocesan model as well. Number 768 in the catechism. So that she can fulfill her mission, the Holy Spirit bestows upon the church varied hierarchic and charismatic gifts, and this way directs her, henceforward, the church, endowed with the gifts of her founder, which is Jesus, and faithfully observing his precepts of charity, humility, and self-denial, receives the mission of proclaiming and establishing among all peoples 
the kingdom of Christ and of God, and she is on earth the seed and the beginning of that kingdom. We can't ever imagine the kingdom being a place of division. Mm -hmm. What we long for is a place of union and harmony. Well, that sense of union and harmony has to be present on the earth because of the deposit of faith in Jesus Christ. So we start to see how that's built up in a constant manner you in the charisms of the church. You can't have union and harmony without these different charisms, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, like my wife is very Thomistic, mm -hmm. right? So she's very ordered in the way she thinks about God and, and reads books and this. And I'm more, you know, Franciscan in the way that I do things and contemplative, right? So when I talk to her about, you know, praying the hollow app and, and having this experience with God, mm -hmm. to her, she's just like, where is that in a book? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just... It, See, but, but the two of you together... That's exactly yeah. what I, where I was going with it, is that the complementarity that we have, the union yeah. that we've created through literally lowering ourselves before each other mm. creates a bond of unity in Christ. Mm. You can't create a bond of unity in Christ unless you humble yourself before another. Mm. You know, religious orders are almost like specialization, right? Yeah. You know, it's almost like... Special forces. You know what it is? It's, <laughs> like, it's like Navy, Air, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, the Air yeah, Force, yeah. the yeah. Army. Like, there's different theaters of battle, Same right? Same country. And, but the same country, and they make up the armed services. It's the very yeah. kind of the same. Or if you want to look at it like sports teams, right? They all have their kind of different styles. You know mm -hmm. that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have, you know, tough defense and a good running Run. game. You know that the um, the the Raiders are going to have nasty defense. Browns are going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to leave Houston. <laughs> Everybody's going to leave Houston, uh, yes. You know, but it's like that. And they have different colors. They have a different team culture. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how these developed, right? Is like you're looking at these styles of life, and there's so many different types of people, right? Some are contemplative. Some are action-oriented. Some want to get rid of everything that they own. Other people want to study books, right? And that's the four main categorizations of religious orders. They are the monastic orders, okay? The monastic orders are founded by monks or nuns, and they live in a monastery, and they recite the divine office. Mm -hmm. And their charism, their founders, their charisma of those founders were people that were led to a person who mm -hmm. had this, like... And, and monasticism goes all the way back... To Benedict, exactly. Right. So th that's a really that's a really good tie-in, and yeah. and then you have the mendicant orders. Yep. The mendicant yeah. orders are founded by friars or nuns who live from alms, recite the divine office, and have active participation in apostolic endeavors. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that you said they live from alms, like they are beggars. Yeah. They they ask people to mm -hmm. give them. Mm -hmm. So some of those would be like Franciscans or Cistercians. Are Franciscans mendicant mm -hmm. there? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mendicant order. Uh, that's why. That's why you immediately said that because I. You I, and me would like. I know, uh, yeah, uh, dude. Geek out over <laughs> Benedictines would be too. Well, Benedictines are more monastic. I'm sorry, I'm monastic. monastic. I'm sorry. That's more monastic. Yeah. Okay. So, so where are they Trappist. Again? It's oh, so no, no. The mendicant orders would be like um, Servites, mm -hmm. which. Um, Seven Servites, the, the founders. There's the Franciscans, Mercedarians. Um, do you have that? You have a list of them. See, Let's that's see. the thing. Is the mm -hmm. only ones I know is the Franciscans, and they divided up into like five thousand mm -hmm. different. Well, here, oh, versions. okay. Here's a list. So Augustinians, uh, Carmelites, Servites, Franciscans, 
Capuchin Franciscans, conventional Franciscans, Dominicans. There's so many Franciscan. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But not all Franciscans are religious orders. Mm -hmm. Only three of them are actually orders. The rest are congregations. Mm. Then uh, Carmelites, Augustinians, Trinitarians, and the Brothers of Penance. Those are the mendicant Mm -hmm. religious orders. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have, we already talked about the monastic, then you have cleric regulars and canon regulars. Canon regulars. regulars. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cleric regular? That'd be like Jesuits, right? They're and like you. They take, va- they take vows of, you know, poverty, chastity, obedience, um, where for, for me, I take, I, it's a sacred promise, right? Like I'm, it's, it's not as, uh, so the, the vows of like a Jesuit, for example, they take a number of of the, vows. Right. And well, some of their vows they, they don't take until like much later in their in their Well they see the order the difference between a religious order and a congregation or mm-hmm. even a, a, a diocesan is the difference between what's called a simple vow and a solemn vow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A solemn vow can only be you can only be released from it by the Pope and you basically live your vows as the order says, and you have no rights to any property. Simple vows, uh, they can be dispensed by a bishop. You can still own property, right? You can still own private still. So like if Father Rich, you know, was left a, you know, a farm by a great uncle, he can own that, right? Yeah. Where these other, they can't. That's one of the primary differences is who that's can. for all religious orders mm-hmm. have solemn vows? Mm-hmm. No, no. Only religious orders have solemn vows, so yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'm saying the distinction is congregations, right? They do not. They take simple vows. So okay, like, so he's in a congregation? No, no. As a diocesan priest, I take sacred promises. So right. I, my he, promises of uh, obedience, of sim- a life of simplicity. You know, so a diocesan, a diocesan priest is different in respect to the vows and how they're dispensed, how they're lived out. Um, where, you know, for example, like, like you said, you know, I don't take a vow of poverty. Yeah. So, you know, I can have possessions that I own where, uh, you know, for Carmelites, for Franciscans, for these, right, they take a for these vow. mendicant orders, like they take a solemn vow that, that anything that, that they don't own they any type of possession right. they can't. that is and, theirs. And so they're, they're bound to a much more sacred life mm-hmm. in terms of the way they live personally yeah. within that. Yeah. Religious yeah. Order. What's the difference between a congregation and a religious? I know we're not talking about them, but sure. maybe throw that in mm-hmm. there just to kind of mm-hmm. give a distinguish. I'm sure well, there's the, a lot but, of people. But, but, but the big difference is the nature of the vows, okay? So and they take vows. a simple vow, but not like him? Mm-hmm. Well, they, exactly. They take a simple vow. He makes pro, he makes promises. Sacred promises. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. They take a simple vow, and then orders take a solemn vow, Okay. okay? Our sponsor, Hallow, is the number one Catholic app in the App Store to date. And let me tell you, it is a magnificent app. Over 400 million prayers have been said through this app. There are contemplative prayers, Lexio Divina, Bible in the Year with Father Mike Schmitz. There's so many resources on this app, and it continues to grow. People's lives have been changed by building a habit of prayer through this wonderful technique and this wonderful application. So make sure you check out Hallow today, and as you do, realize that there are so many functions of this app, developing your own personal prayer, developing prayer even in groups, journaling, and maintaining the consistency of prayer that sometimes we could slip out of in the busyness of life. 
So check out Hallow. I am sure that it will enrich your spiritual journey with Christ. So let's talk about some of those orders, right? Yeah, I think we've already talked about the Franciscans a lot on a lot of episodes, but you know, the Franciscans, everyone knows them, founded by St. Francis. They wear they wear brown mm-hmm. or or gray, right? If you're a conventional. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the characteristics you immediately associate with Franciscans? Well, they they serve the poor because they are poor. Because they're a mendicant order. Right. Because yeah. they're a mendicant order, they bind themselves to poverty. Mm-hmm. And in the in the case of the CFRs, which I I came to know Christ through their ministry. Now the CFRs would be a congregation. Okay. See, that's because they're not one of the three orders. See, that's great. Yeah. That's good to know. The three orders would be the Friars Minor, the Capuchins, and um Wow. Hmm. That so anyways, one. they go beg for food, they eat whatever's left over, they feed to the poor, and then they also you know, work with, you know, drug addicts and people on the street. You just, just love them. Yeah. Um, I think Franciscans, one of their, like, the thing is that they radically live the gospel oh, yeah. like St. Francis, oh, you yeah. know? yeah. It's crazy. Um, crazy awesome. And I would definitely, you know, I know that you've always kind of had a Franciscan spirituality, but yeah. um, Franciscans are probably, I don't know, in my mind, maybe the easiest to love in the church they're, because they're just so yeah. devoted to the gospel to live like Christ as you know Saint Francis. They, they live providentially in a in a way that's like bold, courageous, yet it works and mm-hmm. it's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. the witness of that is to me, it's like, you know, how many people out there listening would say, Hey, I'm just gonna just sell everything and God's gonna take care of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's not literally how they live. Yeah. I, you know, for for me, and 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 like she was saying too, like you know, knowing that you had a, a very Franciscan spirituality and charism, um, I remember that just growing up with you. You know, like how inclined inclined you were to that uh, type of a charism. You know, for, I think a lot of it really depends on where you grow up and what type of communities are around you and what yeah, type mm-hmm. of charisms are around you because mm-hmm. you encounter it and then you're like, wow, I'm attracted to that way of life. Like that's a beautiful way of life. I would have never discerned Carmelite spirituality if I didn't have a Carmelite order that lived neighboring my my parish yep. uh, down in off of Old Dixie Highway and, yeah. and going to visit their property and pray in their sanctuary and go to mass with them and see how reverent they were when they celebrated the mass and how monastic they were in silence in the house and and walking around the the property for the 12 you know the stations of the cross and and um you know so it's like what are you exposed to the greater exposure i had was to diocesan way of life mm-hmm. and then when i went to ave maria i was like you know well what is god calling me to and st francis had a huge impact um the oblates of mary immaculate mm-hmm. you know they they were my spiritual directors initially at ave so like they started to have a, a, an initial reaction like for me to yeah. encounter them hogar della madre was also another one it was like wow that's it's just an impressive uh, community they're living their charism uh, really really well um so all of these things you know they started filtering into my into my brain i think if i going back to that very beginning if i was around dominicans you know, the order of preachers and, and, you know, Thomas Aquinas, St. We Dominic, were, Yeah. you know, like I, I, I never was, I was never exposed to that. 
I think that's probably I would have I would have enjoyed that itinerant preaching. Like I, I've thought a yeah. lot about that. I, I would love to do that. I, mm-hmm. I I know that God has has given me a gift that I'm humbled by. That I I do enjoy my my uh, my service in that manner. But you know, it definitely wasn't the one that I have the affinity for as as, as it develops. But I, I turned to my my oblate of Mary Immaculate and I said, "These are the things I'm discerning. I don't know if I should join the diocese of Saint Augustine or or what I should do. If I should be a diocesan priest or religious." And he looked at me and, as a matter of fact, very intelligent guy, he's like. Rich, if you're sitting there thinking that you're anything but a diocesan priest, you're a fool. <laughs> so I, I joined the diocese right thereafter, like just a, a couple of that's months later. Very cool. Yeah. So I think part of me that's an entrepreneur is loves the Franciscans because of that, just kind of getting out there yeah. and just trusting and going, and just everything's new every day. Yeah, detach yourself yeah. from all po- all possession and like great adventure. like the great adventure of the unknown. I'm going to go yeah, out there and right. I'm going to encounter. Right. And you're so person driven, yeah, that it just it, it, it fits yeah. your it fits your charism super well. Yeah, so sidetrack there on so, the show. So Franciscans they wear brown, they preach, they radically live the gospel. They have fraternity, they have poverty. They serve the poor. Um, yep. They feed the poor. Which they clothe like the some naked. Of, some of their like famous saints, like um, Saint Francis and Saint Xavier. Bonaventure. Yep. Saint, yep. Um, Solanus Casey, man. Solanus Look Casey. at the poor. Padre Pio. Padre Pio. What about the Saint Maximilian Colbe? Mm-hmm. The guy, the Saint Joseph guy uh, in Canada. Andre Bisset. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Was he a Franciscan? Absolutely. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um, another one I think that everyone knows is you know. And they have like a they have a liturgical schedule that's their own. That's their own. Right. That's an important thing to to bring up too. Now you brought up the Carmelites, mm-hmm. right? Carmelites to me, when I was a kid, I always confused Carmelites and Franciscans because they seem very similar, right? Uh, Carmelites were founded by kind of a group. There wasn't like one singular founder, right? Um, they were founded by a group of monks who went and lived on Mount Carmel where Elijah had the great, you know, yeah. battle, you know, against the balls and all that. It's a powerful place. If you ever get to go there, really? you could just feel the silence and the solemnity and the prayer as you're as you're walking around the mountain. Yeah. The Carmelites were founded during the Crusades and these monks who were now free to, you know, operate in the area went and lived on Mount Carmel, but then Carmel. And then as Christians got driven out, really the Carmelites had to move back to Europe, but uh, and that's where they it was only they were only there for like fifty years on Carmel, right? Hmm. And then in England and France, but they're you know what they were they were like the um, the, white. the white with the brown, brown habit. habit, and that's where the mm-hmm. scapular comes from mm-hmm. is is a yep. piece of their habit. Um, and they're they're very much about contemplative prayer, fraternity, and service too. You know, they're the ones with you know. Discalced or calc, right? Mm-hmm. That means they either Discalced. wear shoes or they don't wear shoes, right? Um, some of their really important saints. Who are some important Carmelite saints? Like Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Avila, John, John of the Cross, Cross. like gi- giants, giants. Edith Stein, Edith Stein, yeah, yep. who was inspired by Teresa of Avila and, and Teresa of Lisieux. They you know. kind of outpunch their weight in the church. Mm-hmm. There's not as many of them as, say, you know, other orders. But they have the magnitude. They have these great yeah. spiritual oh writers. You know, they're very contemplative, mm-hmm. very yeah. deep. I think that's a good way to describe Faustina, their charism. Was Faustina no, Faustina was not. Okay. She was a, a congregation. Yeah, she was a congregation. Okay. I can't remember the congregation offhand. Um, 
one of the first ones, again, the Augustinians. You guys ever roll with any Augustinians? I hung out with Augustinians once, and I've always, I always wanted to really develop a good relationship with Augustinians, just being from the Diocese of St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only ones that I hung out with were, were in Rome. And, and uh, it was unfortunate because I would have loved to have So I got more a question about this. Okay, so this is St. August. Mm-hmm. Saint but, but it was not founded by him. Okay, but that's mm-hmm. the distinction I'm trying to make is like he was a bishop, diocesan priest, bishop, you know, in mm-hmm. that order. How did this one get founded? Was it founded in his sort of his like honor or charism or, you Yeah, know? so it was, okay, there was a bunch of hermits living in the hills of Italy. That's okay. how a lot of good stories start. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, there's many hermits living in the many, hills. Many hermits. <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> this isn't like the, you know. And they were scribing the scriptures <laughs> and drinking the beer they were the fermenting. Mead. They and were the mead, mead. Pulling their beers. So in an effort to, to get them to kind of be more in touch with each other, uh, Pope Innocent IV brought them all together and said, look, you guys are doing all the same thing, right? And you're all hermits, and you don't have a, a support system, right? You're all on your own. It was kind of like creating— What the a, heck y'all doing? He was basically <laughs> unionizing hermits, okay? And he gave them the role of St. Augustine to guide them, right, as a way to be able to So how is that rule created them. through a, a charism of a bishop? Like, that's my— Well, it's through the Pope, but, I mean, St. Augustine, you know, it was his— um, He wasn't a hermit. Well, no, but his charisms were help, were helpful. So, like uh, a lot of study, a lot of understand, because you know, yeah, he was, hermits are on their own, right? He was an orator. Yep. So orator, educator, yep. educator. Yeah. So you know, there was a lot of contemplation, which yeah. Augustine certainly did. Yep, you know, absolutely. there was a lot of study and the cultivation of knowledge, right? Which he certainly did. Um, living for the liturgy. Um, Apostolic activities to anybody, right, based on what they need in that time and place, right? Gotcha. So it's not like, hey, we focus on four, on poor people or we, you know. It's versatile. It's versatile, right? It's kind of like how the um, the Jesuits started, mm-hmm. actually. They—, they they were at the service of the church mm-hmm. when they first were found. And, and the Pope. And, and it, they still are, really, you know, in many respects, uh, you know, like the legionaries, too. It's like they— they have their their hierarchy goes right up to the Pope, mm-hmm. you know, and in and, and respect to taking vows. Like one of the vows, um, you know, of the Jesuits, I believe, is to the Pope. It's to obedience to the Pope. Work? It's like, obedience thought... to their missions as defined by the Pope. Right. So the Pope the... gives them the definition of, of, uh, okay. of which, their mission. Which when Francis was elected, Francis was a Jesuit. He's a Jesuit. So as the Pope... He actually superseded the, his boss. Right. He, like, jumped over. But as a Jesuit, he still has to—it's it's like creating this, like, time loop where he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'll ask myself. What am I supposed to do? I'll ask my order. Well, my <laughs> order says I have to ask myself, and it's just like this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, people said, hey, that might create a unique situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jesuits founded by Ignatius of Loyola— uh, amazing, man. and then I know you guys talk about the spiritual exercises all the time. Yeah, it's really amazing. Oh, it really is. Yeah, I'd I like agree. to get a, a Jesuit on to talk about mm-hmm. Ignatius. I mean, he was, yeah, he was something else, man. He was, um, the Jesuits were at one point suppressed. Um, <laughs> you know, the Jesuits, 
so many of them were martyred in England mm. during the Reformation. Japan. Uh, Canada. Everywhere. Some of the most the brutal. Yeah. I is mean, the Japan and the Canada yeah. martyrdoms of oh, the Jesuits. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Joves. Isaac Joves. Yeah, unfortunately, the Jesuits at a lot of times in church history have been cannon fodder. Mm -hmm. You know, they're mm -hmm. on the front lines, you know. They are. Yeah. It's a, it's a missionary it's a missionary order. They were created that way. Yeah, and this, it, the same thing goes with By the order of preachers. The Dominican is a missionary order. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, Speaking this is a great way to, to express this uh, other point, too, as it relates to charisms. And now we're really exploring all of these different charisms, all these different religious orders throughout time. And number 788 uh, 798 in the Catechism. The Holy Spirit is the principle of every vital and truly saving action in each part of the body. He works in many ways to build up the body in charity by the many special graces called charisms, gifts, anointing, graces, by which he makes the faithful fit and ready to undertake various tasks and offices for the renewal and building up of the church. You know, and that's a really important thing that you said there is that Religious orders, even though they, they kind of have this flavor, they have this <clears throat> traditional understanding, there's always constantly renewal in these orders. You know, <clears throat> like I said earlier, the Jesuits were suppressed, but then they were back. Or, you know, the, the, there's so many Franciscans because that those charisms continue to get refined into more mm. and more nuanced charisms. You know, mm. you'll have like... Um, you know, Franciscans who are working on inner cities, you'll have Franciscans who are working towards uh, religious fraternity with other Christian groups. You'll have some working with drug addicts. Like those charisms get refined into more charism-y charisms, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, it's yeah. almost like a sub-charism, you know? Right. Like you have the charism of how they live their life and their faith and worship God. And the expression of that charism. And the expression yeah. of it, mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And you look throughout time where... You have a, a religious order like the Carmelites, for example. You know, when John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, you have this absolute explosion of, of excitement and enthusiasm around this religious community because the spirit hit them so strongly. And now you have all of this, like, you know, propagation of, of vocations. You have a ton of men and women becoming Carmelites. Same thing with diocesan life. It's like you have you have moments of, of great influence, and then you have all of a sudden all of these vocations. You know, next thing you know, you're having ten ordination, ten ordinandi every year, or or five people to be ordained. Remember back in uh, PT days when they went through their spike, then they kind of went down a little bit, and then they didn't have ordinations for a little while. Same thing with our diocese. We we went through a stretch where there was no ordinations. Now we're having ordinations every single year. And it just depends on when the spirit hits a community for renewal, even a, even a, di a diocese. So that's where we have to constantly be praying for renewal. That's where we have to realize that each of us have a charism and we need to pray to the Holy Spirit to influence our work so that we're participating in this renewal. You know, we never want to go back to a, a historic church that we never knew. The church is in a constant state of renewal, yeah. and we have to belong to that renewal, but we have to ultimately be working for the common threads of unity, not division, you know, and, and tearing at different communities or, or divisive things. That's what leads to suppression. When the, when the um, 
uh, the order of preachers, the Dominicans, were at war with the Jesuits, and then the and then the politics that happened all the way up to Rome with the Pope, and then you know in working in the Far East, that's what really led to the suppression of of in respect to different orders losing vocations. You know, people don't want to be a part of groups that are fighting. Right. People want to be a part of groups that are building. Yeah, you yeah. know, be a part of this process of being open to the spirit, because when you are, it will necessarily bring about the fruits of building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think another a cool thing that we can do is just kind of, I'd like to hear your opinions so that people can understand, you know, in a word or two, I'm going to say a few and then just kind of give your one or two, you know, or one sentence explanation of how you see them, right? So um, Dominicans. Uh, vibrant, learned, well-spoken. Mm-hmm. I think of a Dominican order that they're very talented uh, musically. Um, With like Scola. Scola and, yeah. and, and beautiful music in the tradition of, of, uh, of the faith. Yeah. You know, then Dominicans and their white mm-hmm. habits and, you know. How about the Dominican sisters? Too? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. Here. Absolutely. The National Dominicans. Uh-huh. Those Mary, that, Mother of the Eucharist. Yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah. They're, they're grafted out of, uh, of yep. National Dominicans. Mm-hmm. They're the ones in Michigan? Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I agree. I got to see firsthand at Ave Maria the, the uh, Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. In, uh, in Houston where yep. my kids go. Educators, preachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trappists. Beer. That's the first thing that, that comes to mind. But also, uh, even more so, austerity, discipline over the flesh. Bishop Galeone, my my former bishop who affiliated me, um, you know, back in two thousand and six as a seminarian, he was he went to a Trappist order and lived out a greater majority yeah. of his days after uh, leaving Galeone. the office. Yeah, Galeone. Yeah, self sufficiency. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that was their thing is that they would yeah. be able to sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, by the work of their own hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when I think about them, I think of mis- mystics. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're very mystical in terms of their contemplation, the increased contemplation that every day. They're spending mm-hmm. hours and hours before our Lord, embracing poverty, embracing poverty, and then also. Um, they're craftsmen. Yeah. Like, like, like they're, they're craftsmen. Like, they, when they do something, they do it very, very, very well. Because they live by their hands. I mean, if, whether it's caskets or beer or, yeah. you know, that's why you say, oh, Trappist beer, jelly, this or that, because everything they do, they do well because they live by their hands. I have know? Trappist jelly in my in my Stuff's uh, amazing. Fridge. Oh, Mystic Monk coffee? Yeah. I drink that every morning. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Here's uh, to the Trappists. Uh, yeah. yeah. Missionaries of Charity. Mother Teresa's order. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What I congregation? Just, so I just think I thirst like mm, when Jesus oh says, yeah, I, man, thirst "I love that." At the cross, yeah, mm. that's that's what they do is they they give Jesus something to drink. Yeah, missionary charities is like one of those newer ones. They're mm-hmm. not that old mm-hmm. historically in the church, mm-hmm. but everyone knows what they look like. You know, the oh, yeah. white sarum, I think mm-hmm. it's called, with the blue stripes. Sorry, I mean, they're Sorry. able to see Christ in people. In ways that are just unbelievable. Irregardless of, of you know, whether they're simple or status not. or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, national identity or even yeah. religious affiliation, mm-hmm. they see Christ in, in everyone. And when I think of missionary charity, I think twofold. One, active yeah. in service, but also contemplative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mother Teresa allowed a contemplative order to be 
to split off. So they have a contemplative arm and they have an active arm. And I got to serve the contemplative order in San Diego. And they lived in a very poor area just outside of town, south of the city. And it was a joy to be able to, you know, pray with them and celebrate the liturgy and, and hear their confessions. And so, blessing. oh, man, it was so awesome. I miss that a lot. I miss that community a lot. Uh, the Holy Cross congregation. Mm-hmm. Educators, uh, par excellence. I mean, phenomenal educators, missionaries, preachers. Notre Dame. Uh, yep, Notre, Notre Dame. I mean, I mean, Notre Dame is a Holy Cross school, and mm-hmm. so many really great schools are Holy Cross, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's what I think about when I hear them. But they're also missionaries, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bridgetine sisters. Do you mm-hmm. know them? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I think of St. Bridget. I yeah. think of St. Bridget, and I still have no clue. <laughs> Sorry, St. Bridget, please uh, forgive me. Like our daughters of St. Paul, right? Mm-hmm. They're unpublishing. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I think of them. They're a very joyful group of women, too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mercedarian sisters, they're very focused on the Eucharist and, and education. Mm-hmm. Like all of these religious orders, they have these focuses, yeah. you know, of things that they do and they do well. And if the you're, Paulists, like you said, I mean, you, you can't you can't not think of their efforts in evangelization yeah. and, and even in modern sense, like they have consistently been in publishing. They've consistently been online. They they have YouTube efforts. They have all sorts of things that they that they have, are constantly endeavoring in new evangelization, which I always appreciate. I think there's one called like the, the Congregation of the Little Lamb mm-hmm. and they're in France. And what it is is... Um, um, women with Down syndrome or intellectual disabilities, and they go and they pray, and it's the little lamb, and they have their own wow, white habits. so beautiful. And, man, it's just, and they have, um, you know, their abbess, I believe, and these women, even though they have these intellectual deficiencies, have just beautiful joy at Christ. So even yeah. for everyone, there's a charism, and, oh, man, yeah, it's the congregation of the, of the little lambs. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's and, amazing. And your order, the apostolic order, are the arbiters of this these entities, mm-hmm. right, in Christ, obviously, and and supplying them with the, 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 the opportunities that they're looking for and saying, yeah, go over here. And, and that's where, tragically... You know, we fail as diocesan priests is if we can't represent the universal breadth of the church in respect to charisms. That's why I always, whenever it's in the church calendar, I always opt to celebrate optional memorials or memorials of different saints Mm -hmm. because it's highlighting different religious men and women throughout history and what they do, what charism they were into, if they worked in hospitals and they worked for uh, healthcare system, they built hospitals, they, they took care of the dying, they took care of the sick and the infirmed. Like that could touch took somebody's Jerusalem. heart. <laughs> they took like Jerusalem. The, like the nice they Templar. Well, I have cousins who continually tell me all of my cops, all of my cousins that are cops and military. Hey, whenever the you know the nice Templar come back, come, you know, I'm, I'm in. Sign you know? me up. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, religious orders. I'll put some charts and some things right because there's no way we can get to all of them. There's but so I'll, many. I'll yeah. put some charts on there for everyone listening to see the founder, see the basic charism of it. So you can start to explore these because it's such a rich treasure within the church. All these expressions of unique characteristics of Christ, these charisms that are lived out in beautiful ways. 
you know, by amazing men and women who and devote I, their life. And I think for us, just as laymen, right. looking at this, I think what I would hope to see is that God's put a charism in you. Yeah. And, and you, know, you, th- you, you know, you lean one way or the other spiritually and embrace that. Mm-hmm. Embrace that and incorporate that into your prayer life and how God is acting in your life to, to, to be called forth. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue to our Inquisition. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I think for the Inquisition today, Father Rich, you tell us what religious order you maybe feel that you would belong to and then which one, Delacrosse and myself. Mm-hmm. You know, what in, in, in viewing charisms, what did you contemplate? Where would you contemplate now? And then where would you see, you know, our personalities? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, where I would see y- y'all's yeah. personalities? Oh, that's that's interesting. I like that. I like that Inquisition question. Um, now, I don't like many Inquisition questions, but I like that one. Um, I was, like I mentioned before, I was very attracted um, to Franciscan way of life, went to uh, St. Francis's paternal home and knew very clearly from, from God and directly from St. Francis that I wasn't called to, to be a Franciscan. Why is that? Well, I was I was praying and reading a, a biography, and I came across this quote from Francis where it said, "No two flowers are exactly alike." And at that point, I was in such admiration of Francis that you know I had already given away a ton of my belongings, and and I was ready to just kind of give everything. And um, and when I read that, I heard in like my soul and my heart, like Richard. There are no two flowers exactly like bloom where you are growing. And it helped me to take a step in the direction of, no, I've got I've to go off to Abe and I've got I've to really discern, you know, who I am yeah. um, and what charism that, God, that God's given me. So that Carmelites, so that was a quick discernment. But really entering into the depths of the diocesan life, I needed a spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it's not that diocesan priests don't have a spirituality. We pray the liturgy of the hours. Um, we are very active contemplative, but I needed something to tie myself to and anchor myself to. And I fell in love with the Jesuits and I fell in love with St. Ignatius of Loyola. I have a lot of similarities with knee injuries and that was the catalyst to my own conversion and, and uh, my love of the word of God and, and discerning the word of God and, and applying that in my life and Lexio Divina and and the application of senses and placing yourself immersively in the scriptures, all of the things Ignatius taught, I was already learning in the spirit prior to me learning about Ignatius. So there was like all of these different correlations uh, that I was experiencing early on. And then it started to be facilitated in my formation through IPF at Creighton University with all these wonderful Jesuits that that taught me, as well as, um, you know, Father Fessio at Ave Maria at the time, who was just a wonderful influence of a, of a Jesuit as well. So definitely Jesuit, um, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I'm, I'm attracted to a couple of secular institutions out there, um, you know, congregations that are, are very, very open-minded in, in like the worker-priest movement. 
um, like working in the field of secularity and, and having a secular job, but also being a priest. I kind of like that concept a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. And it's also tied because I am a secular priest as a diocesan priest. I am called to live in the world, but not be of the world and, and to work among, uh, you know, fellow yeah. man. I find myself in the office so much that I would rather be out like, you know, in another <laughs> office, in a, well, like in a, in a, in a secular setting, like, you know, I've had, I had jobs since I was in eighth grade. So, you know, like being in a factory and working a, you know, working a forklift throughout the day, but having these conversations with people no, that's interesting. In, a, in a manner. So like that, that is definitely attraction of mine like now. So it's like between Jesuit yeah. and secular institutions that are a worker priest movement, that's kind of more of a, and being a more nomadic priest, yeah. um, not tied to a specific territory, but tied to specific initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd be attracted to that for sure. Yeah. So cool. for you guys, which I'm like even way more <laughs> excited about, you without a doubt Franciscan spirituality, and I, I still see it in in many different respects. Even in a conversation we had earlier today with different philanthropic things that you you get into, and and the people that you meet, and and you your heart gets touched, and and it's some initiative with a, a poor community that you know they don't have snacks or, or or fruit juices or Gatorades for their sporting events and like i could just see your heart being moved and and you want to provide you want to provide for the poor you want to you you give of yourself and you you embrace a, a sense of poverty so that you can give um like that that always inspires me so i see i see a lot of that in you delacrosse and then for you shield i see a, in between a trappist and a, and a, like an Augustinian, um, you know, Trappist in, re- in respect to you having a phenomenal ability that um, very skillful, very handy, very you're able to kind of take on any type of, of project and manage it and, and get down in the details and, and really beautifully do incredible things. But then also your your hunger for knowledge and you know, your study and, and your, your photographic memory and, and remembering things. And so, you know, I think, I think between those two, you're, you're striving after knowledge and your, your skillfulness, uh, I'd kind of put you in, in that, in that realm. I don't know. I think I'd be more in one of those clown orders, you know, <laughs> they do the clown masses, but whatever. there's no way, there's no way. I see, I'd see him more as a, either a Carmelite or a Trappist because he would be be able to read, be yeah. able to provide for that thirst of knowledge, but also yeah. be able to do something that would require his application yeah. of something, which I think would actually create something better out of it. You look at the Trappists of old and how they developed agriculture, they yeah. developed whatever. I see him as the Trappist like guy that runs the internet for the the, the yeah. new diocese. <laughs> like, yeah. like that kind of guy. He just comes out for an hour and he's like, "You do that. You do that. You do that." I'm out. Yep. I'm going to freaking read a book. <laughs> yeah, I would be in silence. Yeah, I definitely see for Delacrosse Franciscan, but um, what flavor of Franciscan? You know, I don't. I don't know if I'd see like well, Capuchin. You know, I like. like I could see you doing what's a CFR. CFR. I could yeah. see you as a CFR. I really could. You know. Yeah, I mean that's the one I discern. So you guys yeah. peg me right. Yeah. But but you mentioned something really interesting, which is the de- how you develop as a person spiritually. And I don't think this is a very fair statement because, or a very fair conversation because, yes, 
I, I was definitely Franciscan because now I'm an entrepreneur and the excitement of the unknown and the reckless abandon of my faith to God that he would provide. Like that, that is essentially them, but they have a charism of service, which my charism was my wife and my children. Mm -hmm. However, after living with my children and my wife for this long, <laughs> I have decided that I'm going to take my talents to the Trappist Monastery. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to live in silence, man. I might be a hermit, brother. I think you should, yeah, you should, you should start the congregation of the seven holy sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, um, if you're looking for more information about Catholic religious orders, I'll put links. If you go to CatholicTalkShow.com and go to this episode's page, I'll make sure that those are there. But go look around. Go, like, you know, um, go go find out about something. Look at what your discern your charism and try to match it up. If you're yeah, young, pray yeah. to God that mm -hmm. he would give you the grace of a, the, this understanding. Yeah. And knowledge of self. so mm -hmm. important. And if you're discerning a religious life or a vocation— you know, your vocation directors, they're not always just going to uh, try to get you into their order. You know, they're not signing you up. Um, but discern a few of them. Discern the Benedictines. Dis discern the Jesuits. Discern the Dominicans or the Norbertines or the Salesians or, you know, the Passionists and all of them, right? Go out and discern them. Read about their founders. Read about their charism. Discern diocesan, Right. Mm -hmm. The Redemptorists. We didn't talk about yeah, the Redemptorists. There's so many that There's we couldn't so talk many about. Communities, you know? yeah. So if, if you watch this and we didn't mention your community, we're sorry. Please put it in the in yeah. the feed as well and yeah, put, put links. Your links. Yeah, yeah to put your, your religious links. order. You know, anyone yeah. who has a you argue know. why you're the best religious order out there in the business, right? You know, we want get a, get a, some conversations. There's a great going joke, too. and I'll end the episode with this. So there's a. There's there's three religious arguing. There's Dominican, a Franciscan, <laughs> and a Jesuit, oh, and they're all like, "Well, no, the, obviously the Jesuits are the greatest." And the Franciscans like, "No, we're the greatest, but we'd never say it." The Dominicans are like, "Well, let's ask God what He thinks." So they all pray and they write a letter and then they they put it in the ocean and they let it go off and they wait a couple of days for the letter to come back. And then they're like, "Well, I wonder what God said." And he's like, "Well." My brothers, or my sons, do not fight over which religious order is great. The Franciscans and the Jesuits are great. Signed, God, OP. <laughs> That's great. Well, my brothers and sisters, thank you for connecting with us this week. Make sure on the comment section you put your own charism. Like, what, what religious order do you have an affinity for? We want to get to know you guys, so please put that in there. And we want to see you next week. And make sure, make sure, make sure that you're praying for the renewal of the church and you have something to participate in. You know, your charism, who you are in God is the most important thing, as Delacrosse was saying, to, to discover in yourself. We need you to help rebuild the church of today. Ecclesia Semper Reformandum S. The church is in a constant state of reform, and it is so awesome to build this church community and our community online with the Catholic Talk Show with you. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our sponsors, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.